welcome to Takes Two to Twenty. My name is Janelle. And I'm Kitty. And today's episode is on Tiger Moms. Moms. And no, we're not talking about Carol Baskin. Rar XD. <laughs> I can't believe you actually just said that out loud. I'm sorry, these things like just happen sometimes, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so Janelle, tell me about your background. Okay, I didn't know I was signing up for an interview and interrogation, but it's okay. My business degree prepared me for this exact moment. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, in case my last name doesn't fully give it away, I'm a halfie. Uh, I'm half East Indian, which is my mom's heritage, and half Chinese, which is my dad's heritage. And I immigrated to Canada when I was around two and a half years old. So I was born in United Arab Emirates, which... In the city, it's Sharjah, which I'm not sure you even know where that is, but it's by, like it's an hour out of Dubai, basically. Um, and so I grew up in Vancouver, and my best memories are here. And I unfortunately do not speak Hindi or Cantonese, um, and I just speak a little bit of broken French. Je suis désolée. <laughs> okay, let's not do the French anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was born and raised in Vancouver, and the only other place I've ever lived in my life is Toronto. Um, my parents immigrated from Shanghai, China, so I am a full Chinese. The only language I can speak fluently is English. And then, depending on the day, I kind of struggle with English sometimes. <laughs> um, at home, I speak Shanghainese, which is the dialect of Shanghai. Then I speak very, very broken Mandarin. Like, even though I learned it for 12 years of my life, it's been deteriorating really quickly. And my friends, they always make fun of me for, like, how bad I butcher my pronunciation. But you know what? That's still enough. So Kitty and I go out for food pretty often, you know, pre-quarantine <laughs> times. And I feel like it's always been good enough to get us through our major pivotal moments in life, like dim sum orders, <laughs> bubble tea orders. And so I'm still grateful for the broken Mandarin. Honestly, speak. all I need to know in other languages how to order food, which is why, like, in French, I can order you a chocolate croissant still. <laughs> See? Major key. Um, okay, but I think before we kind of dive into any of the serious, more deeper conversation today... Uh, we do want to set one thing straight, and that is a disclaimer that by no means in our conversation today are we trying to stereotype Asian mothers uh, or tiger parenting based on culture or heritage. We understand that there's a lot of different family dynamics. Yeah, and we're definitely not trying to generalize on the entire Asian population or how tiger parenting is and how it looks throughout other families. This is just how our families operated, and this is just us reflecting on our own personal experiences growing up. Exactly, and I think that we, we hope that in our reflection on the love, the many tears that were shed <laughs> at the dinner tables, um, and now honestly looking back, just the overall comedy that came from it, we hope that this will bring back some of the good memories and maybe some of the bad ones too. Alright, so here's the real kicker. Kitty, how would you define a tiger mom? Isn't that obviously just the mom of a tiger? <laughs> Now, now, I'm being serious, okay? For for any of our listeners maybe who don't come from an Eastern, like East Asian background and they may not know what a tiger mom is and it's been kind of, there's a lot of different definitions to it. So like, what's your take on it? Okay, so my take is basically that super strict parent who's like super demanding and they raise their child in a super competitive culture. There's almost always going to be that crazy amount of pressure to achieve a lot of success, particularly in your academics and your career. So basically, it's get good grades, go to a top university, and find a stable job. So, you know, lawyer, doctor, engineering, or you can just be a disgrace to the family. Wait, Kitty, isn't your sister a lawyer? Yeah, and my brother-in-law's a doctor. <laughs> so since, like, I'm really bad at math, I guess it leaves me with disgrace. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and I think that, see, that's the thing. I find that in today's society, or at least especially in North America, where maybe tiger moms are not as normalized per se, I find that it has unfortunately quite a negative connotation. And the concept there is that it's kind of uber tough love parenting, right? And in case you didn't get the cue, Kitty and I obviously both grew up with tiger moms, of course, who we both love to death, but that doesn't mean that a lot of tears weren't shed in our <laughs> early years, right? Um, and I think in all honesty, I find that media really skews the perception for what tiger moms actually are. And that's where that stereotype of East Asian mothers actually tends to come back, unfortunately. Um, I agree, like at times it might be tough, but realistically, if I was to look back on my 22 years, I'd say that you grow up and you realize, hey, like that wasn't so bad after all, right? I completely agree. And especially looking from the outside and it's super easy to judge other parenting styles. Like one of the first things that pops up when you actually Google tiger mom is why tiger parenting is wrong. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm not a specialist in the parenting field. I don't have a child. I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> Probably won't have kids <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> but I do believe that there is that like single, there isn't that single parenting style that's going to work for every family. And you don't actually need to go to the extremes of the tiger mom spectrum either. Like you can have pros and cons of every parenting style that you can pull from. Yeah, and I agree. And I think in that way as well, tiger parenting is in general like such a huge spectrum, right? Like too much of anything can be bad, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's where, I mean, I appreciate, I think, like the structure that the parenting provided me, mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But I guess in, in, you know, in today's society, like how do you feel? Like what's the setting like for tiger moms in Vancouver? I think growing up in my friend group, since it was predominantly Asian with immigrant parents, it was very normal to have a tiger mom or parent. Mm -hmm. And all my friends had those like crazy jam-packed schedules and no one really thought twice about it. Like my friends just knew that on Saturdays, like I will never be free for a play date. Like mm -hmm. even if there's a birthday party, I won't be able to go because I need to go to like my five different classes that day. Mm -hmm. And especially in Vancouver, I think with such a large like Asian and immigrant population, the tiger parenting style does become a lot more common. Yeah, I feel completely the same way because I find that I didn't even realize that my parents were really doing anything different or that tiger parenting was a thing until I was probably well into my high school uh, because I was so absorbed by all of those classes that I was being driven to, uh, the many tears shed at the dinner table over math <laughs> and, you know, different problem solving questions that all of my friends in my friendship circle, like we were all super competitive and that's just what I grew up with and that's what I grew to really love and I still really appreciate um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, for me, what really led to having tiger parenting, I think that's what I'm asked really often. Cause like on the, you know, when you first meet my parents, they're very, very sweet. <laughs> and especially to friends, like my friends can get away with anything. I love anything. mom and papa. <laughs> they're the nicest. They yeah. always feed me. <laughs> no, they love to cook, of course. And I get the best of both worlds. But I think for me, the minute that we stepped foot into Canada, I feel like that's when my parents' standards for me and expectations of the success that I had really shot through the roof. It was like the concept was they made a huge sacrifice to get me here, right? Not only did they leave behind really good jobs and an education, like their college degrees didn't carry over to Canada, but on top of that, all their family and friends and their support network that they had, like they had to leave that all behind. So the pressure that I grew up with was how do I make the sacrifice count? How do I ever amount to doing something as great as my parents did? And I think that's why my parents were determined to be like, hey, like we've made these sacrifices, you are going to be successful and you're going to do good in whatever it is that you do. Did you find that to be kind of a similar story? I think so. I think it's just because, you know, your parents had to immigrate to Canada. They want to be able to provide you with every opportunity possible that they didn't have when they were growing up mm -hmm. and to make sure that your success is almost like worth it for them to like immigrate here, yeah. right? 
And, you know, of course, like, being Chinese, you need to be able to brag to all your family members, like, hey, like, my child's smarter than yours, they're more <laughs> successful. All the uncles and aunties need to know. And I think, like, at the end of the day, like, especially, I think, both sides, like, we, our parents had really harsh upbringings in that sense. And so they obviously want to do the best that they can to give us a better life. And so I think I'm appreciative of that very much now, but that was something that I really was maybe challenged with and maybe a little bit of a brat about, to be honest, when I was younger. Um, but I think there's nothing that I wish my parents would have done differently. They, at the end of the day, it taught me to never settle for less. But okay, so I know that the connotation usually comes down to tiger mom, but what was your dad like or your other family members like? Were they super into tiger parenting too? It was definitely more so my mom. Like, she was the super strict parent. She was the one that was, like, checking my grades. She would sign me up for all my various classes. And she would do all the lecturing and yelling when, like, I brought home a bad mark. But, you know, if I ever wanted a new toy, new pair of shoes, whatever it is, like, I would go ask my dad. No, that's so funny. My parents had that good cop, bad cop game. They had that down to, like, the exact T. Um, And honestly, I think that applied to any family member. Like, my grandparents would always be a lot more loving and doting in that sense. Partially also because we rarely ever get to see them because they don't live in Canada. Um, But I think, Dad, if you're listening to this, you're a real one for letting me off the hook so many times. And Mom, I'm so sorry that it was two against one so many times. So Janelle, tell me about your childhood. What did your days look like in elementary school? So elementary school was basically prime time for tiger parenting, okay? <laughs> like that's when all of the action really went down for me. Um, so where do I even begin? Okay, prepare yourselves because there's a list coming. Um, I guess my parents brought me up in a slightly less academic focused way. Like they were very much into having me try a lot of different experiences. So in no way was I being set up to, you know, be like a jock or a varsity player. But I guess my average week would be swimming classes, um, skating or figure skating. I did a lot of dance. So I went through ballroom, ballet, tap dancing, hip hop. I would like to say it made me a little bit more coordinated. I'm not 100% sure on that one. I mean, your TikTok videos definitely tell me you are. <laughs> are we too old for TikTok? No, we're not. It's uh, fine. Debatable. <laughs> um, okay, and then major trigger warning. Oh my gosh, I feel like tears are already welling up in my eyes as I'm about to say this. But piano. Royal Conservatory of Music? Oh no. Um, yeah, I would like to say that I have more good memories from piano, but I think piano was just the bane of my existence back then. (laughs) It's something that still gets me so heated at the dinner table. Like if my parents bring it up, I'm 22 years old now. And when they mention piano or why didn't you stick it out past Royal Conservatory of Music for level eight, or why didn't you finish like, you know, ARCT and all these higher levels? I'm like, no, like this is just a big (laughs) no. So that was was like in a very short glimpse, a week in my life. How about you? For me, it was a lot more academic focused. Like from a very young age, I had a math tutor, English tutor. I had a science tutor for a bit. I was going to French class for a bit. I did figure skating as well, which I really loved, but I actually had to quit figure skating because it overlapped with school. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to do that because, you know, academic focus. Mm -hmm. And then I also was in swimming classes for a bit, but that's more because I almost drowned in the first grade. (laughs) So remind me that before we plan our next vacation. (laughs) Yeah. Sports, not my thing. And then, just like you, I did piano, which I cried every time about it because I freaking hated piano. Um, For some reason, I really wanted to actually learn the violin myself. 
I took violin for about a year and then my violin teacher kept telling that my fingers were like too skinny to play the violin so the sound was just not good so I quit violin after that. See this makes me feel as though I should have done violin instead because my piano teacher always told me that my fingers were just too chubby <laughs> and so I have such fond memories if you must say of her like poking at it with a ruler being like how did you slip up on that key again or like slapping my fingers you know as if that's gonna help me hit f sharp every single time. It didn't work <laughs> long story short. Yeah, and then I also played the flute, and that one I passed RCM grade 8, whereas for piano, I failed RCM grade 8. Yeah, I'm a bad Asian, I know. I'm that's, sorry. That's actually brutal. So for those of you that don't really know RCM, you spend almost like a year preparing for these exams. So these are like very, very big exams. And as probably like an 8 to 10 year old that's taking these exams, it's completely nerve wracking. Like I'm still nervous going into my final exams for university. So go back in time and just remember that when we complain about this, there's some validity to our arguments here yeah and then we also had to learn theory in order to qualify to even like play these exams it was just such a mess yeah it was it was a long journey <laughs> i do have a funny story about why i got a math tutor though okay tell so, me like, more as a kid like they didn't think i was going to be dumb but <laughs> i was actually just like a super dumb kid up until probably like grade four and then i vividly remember in grade four i failed a math test oh boy yeah not good i had to like rewrite in the hall and everything yeah and then when i had to bring it home to get the sign off for my mom i was yelled at so much and then like since that day i was always ha i always had a math tutor mm -hmm. and then i was because of having a math tutor i ended up always being like a year ahead in math yeah after that so like by high schools and math honors, I was taking AP Calc and all these things. Yeah, did you end up having to take math in university? I did because I didn't actually do well in AP Calc. Like, <laughs> math has never been my forte, okay? Like, I'm in accounting and math is still not in my forte. And <laughs> I have a similar story. I think I was probably in grade three, Mr. Hawking's class. I still remember <laughs> this, actually. And so I, I didn't do so great on a test and I had to get it signed off, too. And honestly, Kitty, the tears were streaming down my face before I even passed off my test to my parents. Like, I just knew the doom that was, like, sure to come. And I think my, most of my memories, like, this is a common occurrence in my household when I was a kid growing up, crying at the dinner table <laughs> while my dad is trying to teach me, like, fractions, decimals, multiplication, whatever it is. And he'd be like, okay, Sally has eight apples. How many apples does Josh have? And, like, eight-year-old Janelle was like, I don't know how many apples Josh has. And I think that... Like at the end of the day, I'm grateful now because math was something that I also very much struggled with and I was able to take AP Calc and then get out of it for university. You're so lucky. Math 104 was the worst thing ever and I thought I was being smart. I was like, oh, I don't need to take the tutorial. I'm not going to get that extra 10% of math 184. Worst decision of my <laughs> life. No, the, the funniest thing that I find is when people are like, oh, just retake AP Calc or like, you know, like the Calc equivalent when you get to university. It'll be a GPA booster. No. It is not a GPA booster. There's like a failing average on those midterms yeah the average for my second midterm i think was like 40 percent. yeah absolutely brutal and like this isn't your first year of university you're still adapting to it i'm sure we brought back a whole bunch of bad memories for a lot of people but let's not get into that too much i think so this was elementary school in a nutshell but how was it for you when you got to high school like did you find that that pressure was like still the same i think in high school i had a lot more freedom to choose what i wanted to do I know in grade eight, I actually wanted to be a doctor, mm -hmm. which is why I think I got that science tutor. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> had to make sure I got into like AP Chem, 
But then I realized I hated science and like my parents were fine with me not being a doctor, which is honestly kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then for me, art was also a really big part of my high school. So my mom, she actually like let me choose to go to both drawing classes and painting classes. And then there's even a point in my high school life where like I even proposed like going to art universities, like fine art universities. Mm-hmm. And my parents didn't put up too much of a fight on that one. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, so for me, I, you know, growing up, I was always like, I'm going to be a doctor. Like, I want to be having the title Dr. Ho. Um, and I think I very quickly realized, like, when do you take bio? Whenever it is that you take bio in high school, we were dissecting probably a frog or a rat or some sort of animal. And I was like, nope, like, this is just not it. I can't do it. And I think that when I got to high school, my parents were also a lot, they lightened up on me too. Um, I, I mean, keep in mind, I was still like in a pre-AP incentive program at my lovely little high school. And I honestly do give them a lot of credit for that because I think I really established a lot of work ethic. But my parents were more like, should we put her in IB? So that was like <laughs> a very big and common recurring discussion. Long story short, I did not go through IB, but I did a lot of AP courses. Um, but I think there was just really like the standards were set. It was like high expectations, do good in school, you know, pursue different things. So I was allowed to play a lot of different sports, which I really enjoyed doing. Um, I did like volleyball, ultimate track and field, bless my parents' souls for being the drivers to every single team game that we had and for always sitting in the bleachers and being my number one fans. But I think at the end of the day, it was just like, do as you please, but two things. One, strive to be the best at it and two, don't quit it. Cause like that did not go down well in my household. (laughs) Like you had to put in your best effort. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it changed. Yeah, I agree. It's like put your best foot forward and then for me, it's like as long as I maintained my grades and showed that I was trying, um, I was mm-hmm. able to make a lot more of my own decisions. Like I somehow snaked my way out of both going to English tutor and Chinese school. Honestly, I wish I didn't quit Chinese school because like even though I was always going to be that like really old kid that sat in the back <laughs> of like the class full of five-year-olds, yeah. I should have stuck it through because I can't speak Chinese now. I know, and I feel like that's, like, such an important life skill. Like, every time that my parents were, like, you're going to regret not listening to us 10 years down the road, my, like, spoiled, like, 16-year-old self was probably, like, oh, please. Like, you're not correct. Like, you're not right about everything. I'm 22 years old, and I'm, like, I should have listened so much more. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then another thing was just, like, for me, it helped a lot that, like, if I maintain, like, an almost straight A report card, like, I could do a lot more. Okay, hold on a second. Did you say almost straight A? Did that really go down in your house? Okay, to be fair, I gotta be in PE, like, my entire life, okay? (laughs) PE? No. (laughs) Yeah, I think an almost straight A report card would not have gone down too well in my house. Um, I was pretty grateful, though. I, I felt like by the time I got to high school, too, I think I realized that a lot of kids, or, like, my friendship circle or friend circle rather, friendship circle, that's not proper English. Um, My friend circle had a lot of similar kids in tiger parenting situations. And so we were always like, all of us were always vying for this like top all round award that we Mm -hmm. had. Um, And I was pretty lucky to be able to get it on a kind of winning streak if you must. But I think that's why my parents were able to lay off. They were like, okay, we trust her judgment now. Mm -hmm. But topics like sleepovers and dating, okay, keep in mind the dating part didn't even make a difference because I'm 22 and still single. (laughs) But... That was like a big no-no in my house still. Yeah, no, definitely dating was not a thing. Couldn't really go to sleepovers. Like I had to beg to go to a sleepover. I'm pretty sure like I had to go ask my dad if I could go <laughs> to order for my mom to say yes. And yeah. then, yeah, going out too much was also not a thing. Like if I, I could only go out one of the two days of the weekend probably. Yeah, like if you're going to go out to the mall on a Friday night, 
you're probably not also going to be able to, you know, go out for a bike ride Saturday morning because yeah. it's like the concept is just she's been out too much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that your relationship with your mom like changed as you were going through high school at all? Definitely. And when I say changed, I think it evolved. Like in the sense of I grew a lot more mature, so I learned to put up with a lot more. And when I say put up, really it's my mom that had to put up with me for so many years. <laughs> and I think that the two things that really like change the dynamics would be trust and respect. So we spoke a little bit about trust and how my parents were like, okay, she's actually doing well for herself and we can like lay off a little bit. Um, but there was a lot more respect in the sense that we realized that we're going to clash heads a lot. Like being an immigrant family, my parents, you know, perspective on life and some big decisions is always going to be a little mm-hmm. bit different from mine. And I think that it took me a couple of years to actually mature and realize that what my parents were doing was actually very selfless mm-hmm. and they were so patient and loving and the way that they would teach me and you know like driving me to classes and stuff like that like that's absolutely exhausting my mom probably had to sit out on so many brunch mimosas with her <laughs> friends just to drive me to like math tutor and I didn't understand that nor respect that until now mm-hmm. because now I'm like well I have to drive myself around everywhere and it absolutely sucks <laughs> so you you my respect I'd say is what changed the relationship when we got to high school how about you I completely agree. I think like trust is also just a very big part for me. It's just that they knew that I was making the right decisions and that I had, they instilled like the right values in me to make those own decisions and find a path of success on my own. Mm-hmm. And for me, like even when like grade 11, grade 12 came around and we had to like start deciding on universities and stuff, yeah. they didn't really need to guide me or anything. Like I kind of just made all my own decisions and I kind right. of told them, like, hey, I'm applying to these schools and not these ones and I'm doing this. And yeah. Yeah, like they didn't really have a say in what I was doing already because they just knew that I would make the right choice. Mm-hmm. And But the one thing I will say about like applying for university is just that a gap year was never an option. Like, same. I think my parents were scared <laughs> that I would end up living in a hostel in like Bali <laughs> and just never come back, to be honest, which I honestly... There's still part of me that's like, can you imagine just like owning a beach bar in Indonesia? Or I mean, Vietnam? we could do it. Still. <laughs> you never know. No, but I'm so glad that my parents did that because I think for the way that I'm wired, taking that one year break would have been really quite detrimental. Like it's really mm-hmm. hard to get back into a routine or yeah. into a groove. And I think now that I have my university degree, well, nearly have my university degree, <laughs> almost hopefully, there. Almost hopefully there. things go as planned. Um, I think that I feel a lot more ready to kind of enter that phase of my life mm-hmm. later rather than sooner. Yeah. Um, now that we're on to university, do you think your mom still influences a lot of your decisions in university and like she still has a like hovering tiger parenting effect? So this is me different for a lot of people, but for me, I would say yes, not in terms of tiger parenting or, you know, like being an active decision maker, but it's more so now that I look back and I'm like, wow, my parents did so much for me. I really value their opinions and I really value like thinking about, I realized that they did a pretty damn good job of thinking like years <laughs> ahead of me, right? Like my 16 year old self could not know what a 20 year old Janelle wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think so now when I make, so you know, I'm huge on pros and cons lists and before <laughs> any decision, this annoys all of my friends because I'm walking oh my around. goodness. Yeah. Like if you guys watch Gilmore Girls, I'm like that girl. I oh have my goodness. to have a full list of pros and cons. Even if it's like, do I want white jeans or blue jeans? Like in my head, I'm going through the pros and cons. Um, and so now it's like, I ask my parents and I ask my mom, especially, mm-hmm. um, whenever I'm making a big decision, it might be, you know, 12 AM will be like, Hey mom, like, are you awake? She's definitely not awake. <laughs> and I'll be like, I really need to talk through this or like talk to someone and mm-hmm. I need your opinion on it. And I, I hope she appreciates me involving her, but I'm definitely trying less and less because now we're getting older and it's like, I got to do these things on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm buying a dishwasher. I got to do it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I think... 
definitely not at all like I've never really discussed my decisions through with my parents I kind of just make my decisions and then I let them know after what I'm doing like even for university when I was deciding between UBC and like going to the UK Mm -hmm. um I just made the decision and told them retrospectively like hey I accepted my (laughs) thing to UBC and rejected imagine if you accepted UK and it's like a month from now you move down and you're like oh by the way I'm in I'm in the UK for like the next four years of my life I've done that with like plane tickets before like I've bought a plane ticket like oh yeah by the way I'm going to LA like in two weeks yeah peace no but do you find that you consult with your sister then if not your mom I definitely consult with my sister more just because that she does have more of, like, the same perspectives as me. Right. And then she understands a lot more because, like, my parents, like, they didn't go through any formal education, really, mm-hmm. other than, like, high school. So yeah. it's, like, they don't have that input that right. I might be seeking. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. But I guess, like, other than those kind of discussions, do you still feel that kind of, like, someone's always looking over your shoulder? Do you still feel that sense of pressure to perform and succeed? I think the pressure now just comes from myself to perform and succeed. Like, I don't feel pressure from my mom. Like, I think she realizes that I've done well for myself and that I'm able to reach those high standards on my own without her having to, like, I guess, nag me almost. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, like, my type of thinking. That's just a product of tiger parenting. Like, wanting to achieve something more always. Like, always trying to reach for the top even once. Like, even if you're, like, almost there, like, Mm -hmm. keep going, right? And I think my mom, like, she always says that she's a lot more calm and I guess, like, in a way relieved that I, me and my sister, we both grew up to be very self-sufficient and we were able to make those right choices and to become, like, more or less successful. Mm -hmm. And I know that my mom, she does trust me a lot more now. Like, she doesn't even know what kind of courses I'm taking. She doesn't have any input on my university life. She doesn't even know what kind of grades I get anymore, which is, like, kind of weird. Yeah, that is very weird, right? Not having to, like, send or, like, show your parents the report card. It's like, hey, look, I got all A's again. (laughs) But, yeah, for the longest time, my mom didn't even know what I studied in university. Like, she knew I was in business. And then, for a while, she thought I was a marketing major when, like, I'm in finance. So, it's, like, completely opposite. No, I completely feel that. Because, for me, business is very new to my parents. Like, they don't have any backing in business. So, they had, like, when I was making these big decisions, I'm like, should I do accounting? Should I do finance? Whatever the story was, they they don't really know too much about it. They just know that I'm doing everything that I can. Mm -hmm. And I I think I completely agree. I think the pressure is in a different way now. Like for me, I'm old enough to make decisions for myself. And I've developed my own set of values and my own definition of success, which at times might overlap with my parents, but at times it might also be different, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's different priorities that I have in terms of what I want. Like maybe one day I want to own a cabin on the lake. That might not be something that my two East Asian parents really enjoy or, you know, like strive for. Um, And I think that that in reality though, like being influenced by kind of having that immigrant story and moving here at such a young age, seeing my parents, you know, work these like horrible like graveyard shifts while I was being tossed around from babysitter to babysitter, those values and those memories are ingrained in me. So I think that that, automatically changes my approach to life and the success and I completely agree like I now set these goals for myself it's not like my parents that are nagging at me but their voices are always in my head you can hear them in the back of my eyes like oh you should actually study for math a bit longer right exactly like when you're about when you know when you have that inner guilt that's like should I really be going out with my friends tonight or should I stay in to study for my midterm basically and that's just your like parents echoing into your head exactly and I still live at home so sometimes it's actually real voice (laughs) don't worry 
But I think that in the way, so if you know me, you know that I'm a super duper competitive person. <laughs> and I think that that definitely stemmed, like that ambition and that drive, that's within you. Like that's not something that someone can place on you, but it was just really fostered in my household <laughs> and in a very healthy way. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and I'd say that now, very similar to you, the only expectations that my parents really have are that one, I'm self-sufficient and I'm financially responsible. So I have some savings and two, that I'm always putting my best foot forward in whatever my passions or career or interests, whatever they may be. All right. So now with all that said and done and all of those hopefully good, maybe bad memories that were kind of brought back. I guess the question is, do we feel the same way? Would you want to raise your kids the same way? Wait, Janelle, hold up. <laughs> Give me a second. We're, okay, we're not having kids anytime soon, okay? Like, it's not happening. I'm still learning to take care of myself, Kitty, okay? I'm 22 years old, and that's still a learning process for me. Okay, okay. Well, you know, in the future, if I do ever have kids... Husky I'll... babies. Husky babies okay. first. <laughs> um, yeah, hands down. I'll definitely do the same, like... I probably won't be the exact replica or be that stereotypical what that tiger mom actually is, but I'll definitely like pull some things from it. Just like having those super high standards and being that strict parent that pushes my kids to do like all the extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect them to do every single one forever because like that's very draining, but I do expect them to find one or two that they're like super passionate about and give it their all and be able to like be the best version of themselves in it and just like achieve those high standards in that. And as for academics, I do expect them to do well, of course, but I mm-hmm. also understand, you know, it's not feasible to achieve straight A's all the time. Like sometimes you're just not good at a subject and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, but it's really just about being able to give all your effort and try your hardest in those. Yeah, I think you, I honestly think you completely nailed it. I would, I, I have no shame in saying this. I'm an aspiring tiger mom. <laughs> I know some people are like, I want to be a soccer mom. And I guess that's part of it too. But for me, I would take it as a huge compliment. Like, I look back and I think, wow, I was honestly such a brat. And my parents put up with so much for so many years just to get me to where, you know, where I am today. And I think that I seriously, like, I sincerely regret the times that they let me off easy. Because that's not what led to my success. It was those times that I was crying at the dinner table (laughs) or having a really rough time. And, And it's because they believed in me. They saw that I had the potential to really do something more. And I think the key point there is, just that regret that I feel because like I said earlier, my mom was so right about so many things. Mama Ho is always right and Mama Ho <laughs> or Mama He always knows best. And I just, there's so many things that I would have done differently, I think, because of that. On the, ter- on, the, on the point of academics, I agree. You can't push your kid, you know, to an extent, but if you feel that they really do have the potential, I want to give them that same you know opportunity and that push when they need it because as an eight-year-old you're not able to think straight (laughs) yeah and you're gonna want to give up as soon as things get a little bit hard it's like oh no like one plus one isn't three like okay Okay. (laughs) i still type that into my calculator on exams but i that's that's a whole other story though and then to your other point on how you mentioned on like you know having them try different things i think that my mom's decision to have me try so many things way out of my comfort zone that impacted my ability to be able to adapt to change in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It also gave me a good like open-minded kind of approach to the things that I do, and I would want to foster that in my kids way off in the future, but I would want my kids to feel the same way. Yeah, and I would definitely be a lot more strict than my mom was. Like I got away with so many things. Like I got to throw a tantrum and quit like 
everything basically like <laughs> one time we literally drove to Chinese school I started throwing a tantrum and then like she just drove me home like she gave up after a while because like I just wouldn't budge See, and like I'm not gonna let my kid do that yeah and I think that's the thing like coming back to that again we're now 21 22 years old about young professionals yappies if you might about to enter the workplace and you're not going to be able to have that kind of mentality going in. Like, you're not going to be able to go up to your MD and cry your way out of a really <laughs> tough engagement because your client's giving you a tough Wait, time. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> and I think, like, that tougher mentality is something that I learned to value. My parents taught me to be really thick-skinned, and I think that that's so important entering the workforce. Um, and I think other than that, though, there are some things that I would do different, right? Like, in all honesty, if I could replicate even half of what my parents have done for me, those are like huge shoes to fill. Like I would mm-hmm. hope that I'd be able to do the same kind of parenting that my parents did. But I realized that we're also going to be young professionals and that our careers are also going to need a huge push. Right. Yeah. So I find it like I look back and I'm like, wow, how did my parents even balance that? <laughs> I completely agree. And I think I would be less strict in some aspects. Like I would let my friend, like like my child go have friends and play dates and like go mm-hmm. date and do all these things. But like yeah. you have to maintain your grades and stuff to be able to do that. You feel? Yeah. But in hindsight thinking about all of the lies the white lies that I've told my parents if my kid's lying to me I'm gonna know oh yeah of and course. I'm gonna call them out on it too <laughs> it's like oh are you really going to Sarah's house like hmm yeah dress like that <laughs> do you have anything on under those sweats like what's going on there so I think the parts that I would like carry over would be kind of having that structured upbringing where they're kind of in a routine and like really making productive days because honestly what five-year-old doesn't have energy that's like shooting through the sky (laughs) anyway right um and I my parents so I know like this is against what a lot of tiger parents are usually stereotyped as but my parents were fully there for me emotionally so I would want to have that kind of continued emotional support and trust built in the one thing that I would probably do different is kind of giving my kids some more I guess autonomy over Mm -hmm. decision making at an earlier point I think growing up, I felt that a lot of decisions were kind of made for me at times, which in hindsight, 100% would do the same thing as a 22-year-old now. But I think I'd want my kids to have the ability to practice learning to advocate for themselves and speak for themselves because Mm -hmm. those are two areas that I still struggle with now. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of having that decision-making power given to you is also equally scary. Mm -hmm. So I think taking responsibility from a younger age is something important that maybe tiger parenting doesn't always enforce. I agree with that one too. Um, but looking back, do you think like your mom was actually as harsh as you think they were? Definitely not. Like you said earlier, I cried my way out of everything. Every single time I had piano classes, I would like have arms flailing, tears <laughs> dragging down. Hey, that I'd, sounds like my childhood. <laughs> I'd show up to my teacher, Dorothy. Oh, bless her soul too. But like tears streaming down my face, like dried up onto my cheeks. And I think that I look back and I'm like, now I can barely read sheet music as a result of all yeah. of those tantrums, right? <laughs> and I think this is, again, where the internet like seems to skip a huge part. Like My mom was so much more patient and loving and caring than most others were. To be a tiger parent is so much a sacrifice. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not just your kid that's going through the struggles of you know, education, academics, and extracurricular activities. You are the one that's taking time, you know, out of your workday or after like an eight hour shift to drive your kid to and from, to put a meal on the table, to cut up fruits at nighttime, <laughs> you know, mango and apples. I still only eat my apples and cubes now because of that. I only eat all fruit and cubes. Like even a mango, I will cube it before I eat it. Like cubing it takes me like five minutes, then I'll eat it in one minute. 
Exactly. And I think, like, just, like, those little kind of, like, ways of showing that token of appreciation, like, I'm like, how am I ever even going to do that? Like, I don't even have time to do that for myself now. And so in that sense, I think tiger parenting is that huge spectrum we spoke about Mm -hmm. earlier. And I think that there's high value in the standards that it does set for your work, valid, like, work ethics. How about you? I think that during the time, I thought it was, like, really harsh because you obviously have those times when you like didn't get to choose anything you didn't have options like you had to say no to so many like play dates birthday parties and all those things Mm -hmm. but overall I think it's still like it wasn't that harsh like I thought like like I said before I got away with so much and honestly it was probably because I was a second child like my sister she already took all the bullets and like got that super strict parenting can't relate but (laughs) yeah thanks sis but in retrospect like my mom was a lot more patient, especially like going through my dumb years, you know, <laughs> pre-grade four. And we all still, had that though. Yeah, when I was still trying to figure out like what school was, how it worked, and what you realize that they're doing all these things because they like care and they're yeah. trying to make sure that you are getting the best. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, my mom probably didn't like drive me to like my four different classes every Saturday, like mm-hmm. drive me from Vancouver to Richmond, probably back to Vancouver, like yeah. back and forth, right? Yeah, thanks, mom, for all of those miles that you put in for me. And to my future kids, I'm sorry, because I'm probably going to be much stricter. (laughs) You're you're just going to have to suck it up somehow. Um, But I think now is just like, once again, just a really good time to just kind of reiterate that disclaimer we put out earlier on, that in no means are we trying to stereotype Asian parenting or, you know, say this is the perfect parenting style. It's just that our East Asian parents happen to do it this way, and it worked for our families. Yeah, and even though we hated it during those years, we would probably do more or less the same. Like we said before, like a tiger mom isn't going to be the exact same for every different family. There's going to be a spectrum of what you take from that type of parenting. And honestly, like, I don't know if this is a real thing, but you know, <laughs> tough love builds character. I mean, we're not trying to be too sappy here, but I think, I mean, I hope that people feel the same way, but I'd say we turned out pretty decent-ish. Like, honestly, it kind of depends on the day for me. <laughs> same. <laughs> Definitely Same. Um, but yeah, on that note, I guess if our parents are even listening, definitely not, (laughs) definitely not, but thank you to our parents for pushing us and helping us to get where we are today. Um, I feel like this is where you would like insert some sort of cheesy, you know, writing piece that you'd find on a mug at chapters, but, um, thank you for teaching us to shoot for the stars and never settle for less. Um, no, but honestly, thank you so much for holding us to such high standards and helping us you know, get to where we are today because you made us believe in ourselves even when our bratty little eight-year-old selves were not having it. And on that note, thank you for listening to episode two. It honestly still feels like so surreal that we're even making a podcast. Like, I know know. we're just like sitting at home, like recording, speaking to Mike in our pajamas and stuff, but (laughs) having this out on public, it just hits differently. It really does. But I think it's been such a good time to be able to share our thoughts and I'm glad. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.